0: Hello, and welcome to episode 18 of the Two Brits, One Orange Ball podcast. My name is James Jeffrey. I'm joined by my bold headed friend, Mark Irwin.
1: What is up, Jeffrey? Yeah, it's been a while, my man. It's been a while. We haven't caught up in a long time, so it's nice to uh, nice to uh, catch up and, and, and do another fun full episode with Gino, mate.
0: Very much looking forward to having Gino on today. Obviously, before we get into it, in today's episode, we're going to cover the rise of the Knicks, uh, full of the balls, not so much to my disdain. Uh, BBL news before being joined by BBL MVP candidate Gino Crandall of the Leicester Riders. We'll talk about his former team's Gonzaga run in March Madness, taking it all the way to the title and going 31-0 and losing very, very narrowly against a very strong Baylor team, who interestingly will be joined by GB's slash Poland's Jeremy Sochan next season. We'll talk about Gino's season with the Riders so far how close they are to winning the league title, having London tomorrow, which if they win, uh, they win the title. Now I'm not gonna try and get into Dan Routledge's algorithms as, as to what other, the other outcomes are, but I believe if they don't win that game, they just need to beat Cheshire and uh, the Glasgow Rocks as well to win the title before playoff time or, or May, May Madness or whatever we're calling them now. So it should be a really interesting one. Really looking forward to, to welcoming Gino on. Um, But before that, mate, obviously the NBA, like we've been away for a month or so now. So there's been so much that's happened. You can't really surmise it as as briefly as we'd like to. But Dwayne Wade's part of the Utah Jazz ownership. DeMarcus Aldridge has retired. Jamal Murray's out for the season. Katie's down now as well. And J-Lo's husband is now joined over at the Timberwolves. So it's been a very eventful, mate. Like, I don't know how you've been feeling about it or what's been standing out to you. But i think i'm probably gonna guess it's the rise of the knicks and how well you guys have been playing on a six game winning streak now Derek rose is killing which i'm loving watching but i'm, I'm sure you have a few choice words for the Bulls and their their state of affairs as well
1: <laughs> not, not at all mate not at all i think that uh, it's been interesting from a knicks standpoint it's been a bit of a whirlwind um you know at the start of the campaign i made that bold statement didn't i bro that we were going to finish fourth in the east and you looked at me like i was fucking crazy this um, is before so, you had
0: derek rose known as well this is it
1: i mean yeah i mean uh, to be honest man it's a testament to to the tibbs effect it's reinforcing what we've said basically since day one way back when now at the start of the campaign when we were sort of you know surmising who could potentially fill that void and that coaching presence in new york and it's been tom Thibodeau, and um the way that he's been able to install that defensive culture and build that team to sort of forge his identity, which I know that you're familiar with in his balls days. has just been really impressive for me, mate. And it all starts with our point forward in Julius Randle, who, to be quite frank, has been better than I think even the Harden of Knicks fans Could want and expect. Um, He's been our talisman, he's been our most improved player and I genuinely think he will get the most improved player and if he carries on why not MVP running mate? I genuinely think that is a possibility right now. Um, The way that he's been able to transition this team and and for us to legitimately at this point in the season be within a, a reality check of the fourth seed in the east is unbelievable and, and way quicker than, than I think even I had, had ever wanted, really. So it's been great. Um, it, was, it was tough to see Mitch go down again, Mitchell Robinson with his fractured foot. And that's frustrating for me because, again, I, I think that he will make those tremendous strides under Tibbs and be that Defensive Player of the Year candidate in, you know, the years to come. Um, and that was a shame. But, you know, in a positive that's come out of that, Nerlin's Noel, Um, the way that he's been able to sort of steer that ship and be that defensive presence and and come up with those amazing highlight blocks Um, and also be a factor you know understatedly on the offensive end as well man like it's all coming together for us. Um, RJ, I know that you've been much higher on him coming out of college, coming out of Duke than I was. I was a little bit unsure um, just because of his consistency in that jump shot. But the three-pointer percentage is going up now. He's nearing 40%. He's averaging over 17 points a game and, and five rebounds. And what I love about this teammate is that they don't get rattled. And that to me is, is, is saying that we are ready. We are making those strides, even in those big playoff moments, those games. They're just acting like we've always been here, and uh, and it's great, mate. It's brilliant. It's it's fantastic to see. Yeah, man, Like we've only briefly sort of talked about it, but like just the
0: poise of that team, and I was comparing it, wasn't I, to the to the Bulls of old. Like, and you've got the some of the cornerstones there as well. And you know, you've mentioned Nolan's Noel, but Taj Gibson as well, filling in for you the other night when Noel was out doing a stellar job. Uh, Derek, obviously, like there were a few people umming and ahhing about, oh, why have we gone and got Derek Rose for a little while? Hope you guys are shut the hell up now. Um, <laughs> um, but yeah, no, it's been it's been nice to see. Like, I've I've enjoyed watching the Knicks, um, and I think you know, yes, you were only in the eighth seed. I'm going to do my Richard Jefferson. You were only in the eighth seed like four games ago, so I'm not I'm not like completely convinced that you're going to like push and be a, a title contender like some people have been saying in the Knicks fan base. But not I me, think, by the way. I, I am calm. not you. I am but there's a there's a lot of there's a lot of conversation, isn't there? Knicks fans get very excited, like it's uh it's just it's just interesting to see. Like I think the Wizards are on a five game win streak at the moment. I don't think we've heard a single peep out of them, but Knicks doing it is national page news. It's just the way it works, right? You guys are a big market, but it's nice, man. It's nice to see you guys up there.
1: It's been twenty years of, of mediocrity and to be quite frank, shit so, I, <laughs> so babe, I think, what was my favorite one yesterday when
0: i was like there was one of the i think it was a knicks fan tv guy. shout out to you lot um and they were like oh like there's national journalists like saying like in a surprise voice that the knicks are good and it's like yeah yeah we are like oh they are <laughs> like you've been you've been terrible for a long time and you can just kind of like see the, the basically the knicks fans need a hug and i'm, I'm glad that they've got you know, Thanks, it's a positive for 2021 because I been,
1: appreciate it. has been a long time. <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah, I mean, uh, again, just to kind of solidify that, you know, it's our, it's, our, it's our first sixth game winning streak since 2013, 2014. And in all honesty, for basketball reasons, that was the last time that the Knicks were relevant. And that was lightning in a bottle. You know, you had a geriatric Jason kid launching up three-pointers. Melo was his MVP season, you know, the the nearest time he got to that accolade. So, I mean, yeah. And you look at what Randall's doing, mate, the last four games. I mean, like, 34 points, 32 points, 44 points, 33 points. I mean, the guy is absolutely killing it, and and long may it continue. But, alas, we must move on to your Chicago Bulls. Um, what's happened, bro? <laughs> I'm joking, I'm joking. But no, it's, yeah. it's, been, it's been a tough stretch for you. I, I did see that, that Zach Levine has obviously gone into the health and safety protocols, which is a shame. I hope he's okay and well. Um, and also, it's just been a tough stretch for you guys. And you're obviously active um, during the trade deadline as well, um, with the acquisitions of Vuc, uh, may I add, from, from Orlando Magic. Um, some of the collateral that came out of that was obviously the, uh, the exit of Wendell Carter as well. Um, for me personally, I liked him, mate, when I watched him. I liked his offensive presence. Um, I don't. I, I thought he had a ways to go defensively, and like we discussed last time out, he was a little undersized for the center position. So, yeah, just break down the moves, man, and how you're feeling about it.
0: Uh, like like you say, mate, it's like it's been a struggle. Like the losses to the Timberwolves and the Magic were probably the low point of the season. But I think Vooch has been absolutely incredible. Like you say, Zach's been out. The one thing that stands out for me is the fact that obviously because of COVID protocols, this team with five new guys, so basically a new team, hasn't even had the chance to practice yet once since the deadline. So that so, you know, whether whether you know basketball or not, whether you played normalised basketball, that's for an NBA level team, like that's ridiculous. Like that would never happen. You'd have months, if not you know, weeks, if not months of preseason to get used to each other, to learn the plays, to do all those such things and even if you are like a seasoned vet and we've been the youngest team in the league for I think 2 years in a row now to finally have some veterans in there um was obviously a big big bonus <laughs> like we were essentially a college team or younger than a college team I think we're younger than Baylor right now uh, or were before the trade deadline but yeah what can you say about Man, like he's come in he's averaging 23.2 points 9.9 boards 3.5 steals and two blocks so I think a huge upgrade on upgrade on Wendell. Although, like you, I was quite big on him, and it's very sad to see him go. At 22, he's got a hell of a lot of growing room left. Reaches 30, so obviously, as we've mentioned before, as we talked about with KC, a big part of the move is Zach Levine and trying to build around him for the future. But yeah, the for me, like the the short term isn't really a big part of this right now. If we make the play and then and great. That's a little bit of a you know a bonus but i think we have to remember that we've got the top four protected on this fair draft pick if it all goes wheels off which it could do like we obviously beat the celtics last night which was nice it's a little bit of a you know a sigh of relief so we're on two game win streak now after beating cleveland as well so i'm really impressed with how we has just been able to hold down the fort um with zach out as well and i think it, there's going to be some very very interesting news in this offseason i'm hearing you know rumors of spencer Dimwithy, all these types of people that might be coming to Chicago. So whilst I'm not hoping, I'm not expecting us to, you know, be at the fourth seed like the Knicks, I still think, you know, despite all of that, despite all of these moves, we're moving in the right direction finally. I think once these guys get their feet underneath them, And like you say, we're able to get healthy and out of COVID protocols and all those types of things. I think it's hopefully going to be, you know, finally a sign for optimism for Bulls fans as well as Knicks fans. But yeah, man, like even for you guys, there was the big press conference yesterday, which I'm not sure if you've seen, with Mr. Zion Williamson talking about how New York is his favorite place to play, apart from the Pelicans place. So, you know, those guys, him and RJ go way back, like, to, you know, obviously the Duke days and before that. Even if you don't get him now, like, I think it was ESPN talking about the other day, in six years' time when he's potentially, you know, going to be one of the best players in the league, depending on how his health goes, you must be feeling pretty good about those times of players mentioning the Knicks in a, in a positive light and, you
1: know, potentially looking to make some hints there, maybe, you know. Oh mate, don't get me started on that sort of stuff. But no, no. Norm, do you know what's positive, man? It's actually come from the player themselves, and that's that's where that's where the transition and the change is right now. And I think that's an illustration that we are building a positive product on the court behind great coaching. They're now seeing, you know, other players and peers around the league, and now seeing young players' development in the likes of RJ in the likes of IQ, contrasting, you know, and complementing the veteran presence also. Um, and that can only be a good thing. And what I really like about it is that all the other bullshit of the last twenty years and and the front office of James Dolan and everything else is is being silent. And you know, I think from a basketball operations point of view, the basketball people are taking care of the product on the court and the basketball. And that's that's for me is all I can ask for a Knicks fan. So here's Zion saying things. Mate, I want I, mean, I want the Knicks
0: fans to be getting a fucking Tim Shrine. like I want like him to make mate. the noise of his. Half, I've, got know, I've got yeah. one in my bedroom. I've got one in my bedroom.
1: I pray to it most nights. It's, uh, does it growl it, you it, when you
0: move past it like he does to the players on the court? <laughs> in hey, of-
1: it's uncomfortable sometimes. You can just hear him howling. Like, I don't know how his voice survives it. I thought Doc's was bad. His yeah. is like another level of like... And it doesn't, fear. it's
0: the whole game. Like... Mate, all the time. On, onto people about defence, but mostly. Dave! Andre.
1: But, no, no, mate. It's yeah. I, I mate. Don't get me wrong. I would be lying if I wasn't excited by the prospect of someone like Zion Williamson saying that his his second favorite place to play is New York. Um, you know, and is the Knicks like that would be that would be amazing to me, of course. But and he, and he's he's been tremendous. Like, I'm in terms of his growth as well. I think that many of us didn't really expect Zion to be this much of an impact player. The only thing at the moment would be that. He, again, like not to—I suppose you can you can relay it because he's kind of transitioned into that point forward level in the same way that Julius has. So how that's coming kind of, would would kind of mesh if Julius was still there. I don't see it. So that might mean eventually that you know it's uh, definitely a long term, yeah. right? It's not like for yeah. next year, is it? But yeah, it's you're just right. Like, see, you've got you've got me yourselves. already starting about it. You've got me already thinking about it, man. But for yourself yeah, no, you're though, right? right you're
0: like, right. it's good that you're getting in players like RJ who have. Friendships of that, you know what I mean, uh, yeah, level. you can have those conversations without it being, you know, any kind of tampering or anything like that. Like, it's a, so yeah, it's nice to see. But yeah, in in terms of the balls, mate, it's, it's a slow start. Let's let's be honest. I think obviously down at the tenth seat at the moment, um, looking to battle guys like the Wizards and the Raptors, who are the one the one saving grace is that the Wizards could be a playoff team. I could have been right all along. Um, but <laughs> <laughs> but it well, might then, be might be at the expense of the Bulls, which wouldn't be so good. But like one, I say, top what, four's top four's protected, right? So we've got we've got some kind of uh, some kind of protection.
1: <laughs> one thing I did want to ask you, actually, man. Like obviously, with the exception of Vuce, um, is addition to the Bulls, What other player right now excites you the most in terms of those additions? And who do you kind of feel sticking around? And who do you think will, will be quite a quick exit potentially?
0: is a really, I, I like Daniel ties a lot. Like I think him and Troy Brown Jr. have brought a defensive intensity to this team that they, quite frankly, have has not existed at all. And one of the things that I was a little bit concerned about coming in was the Bulls culture is not playing defense right now. We're a fantastic or a reasonably good offensive team, especially with Zach on the floor. He went for 50 nearly and a half the other day. It was ridiculous. But in that half, no one else touched the ball. And we were still letting Trey Young score, you know, nearly as many points as Zach. So it's just nice that they, they've come in and they haven't been affected by that atmosphere because everyone knows if you come into a team and they don't play defense, you immediately, you know what I mean, relax a little bit more than you probably should have. And it's quite easy to set into the ways of an existing culture. So the fact that they're kind of coming in and, and bringing that intensity up is good whether we'll keep either of them man, who knows like at the end of the day like Tyson's a free agent could well move on I know he's going to be quite expensive that's the whole reason that the south has got rid of him in the first place to avoid the luxury tax uh, Troy Brown Jr is a good player but he's whether he's a mainstay is, is a big question we haven't really seen much of Alperukan Camino and and Javonte Green like they just haven't really played and we've also got you know a load of free agents like Denzel Valentine and I, I, I don't know I think this roster is going to have a major overhaul this offseason I think AK and Mark Eversley are going to want to put their imprint on the team build around those two main all-stars I think it's a really exciting thing like yes we're you know four and eight or wherever we are now since the trade maybe five and eight I'd have to check that but I think it's like I say I think it's going in the right direction if I could keep any one of those those guys it'd be Tice just because I think he's quite easily the best player. But then you you don't know what's available in that cap space, Do you know what I mean? Like if we have to pay him as much as Larry wants at 20 million, which is definitely not getting enough the way he's been playing. Yeah, it's, it's, it's it's gonna be a pretty considerable change, I think, which I think I would definitely welcome because the way that you guys are structured, the way the Knicks have built that team, like after we obviously were moving the jokes around at the beginning of the season, how you have slowly progressed to fill in specified roles for everyone on that team, I don't know about you getting the four seed or fifth seed, but I still think you'll be 100% in the play, and I think you'll be a playoff team. And I'd be interested to see who you get in the first round if if that gets to that stage, like because I wouldn't want to play the Knicks. if I'm the Nets, if I'm you know Boston, I, I genuinely wouldn't. Like I think you guys have kind of some kind of sleeper possibility there, and you know if you guys get past the first round for the first time in. When since 2012
1: 13, something like that, uh, 20, um, 20, 2013, bro, we got past in the first round against the Celtics and then we lost against Roy Hibbard's Pacers. <laughs> I ain't gonna call him Paul so, George, <laughs> so like that's
0: a fair amount of time, like that, that, that would be yeah. a massive achievement. And I don't think it's impossible,
1: that's the thing. I don't, Mitch isn't likely to be back for the playoffs, right? Is he what's his? I can't number? see it, I, I can't see it, bro, with, with a fractured foot, that's going to take a while. Um. Yeah, we'll see. I like you say, it's great that we're even having this conversation. It's so positive. Um, It's been great, man. Like, Long may it continue. It's great to see. We'll wait and see what happens in the playoffs. But if we could get that fourth seed, I absolutely would would be an advocate for Tibbs to be coach of the year. I know that Monty Williams has done some fantastic things with Phoenix, but he has had Chris Paul there. I mean, he's had Devin Booker, he's had Chris Paul to kind of build around. And, you know, even though, you know, Competing for that number one spot in the West is very impressive. I still think that Tibbs, the way he's been able to, to achieve what he has thus far, if they finish fourth seed, I, I think that he deserves Coach of the Year. And I think Julius Randle is definitely most improved, regardless. Like I say, shrines. I don't want any
0: friggin' New York media talking shit about Tibbs, talking shit about D Rose or Taj. None of it. Like if he gets you, if he gets you up there, like I don't, I, yeah, I don't want to hear nothing. Um, <laughs> but moving to moving to the BBL, obviously. Quick shout out before we do that to the soden kestrels who have just got the three p in nbl division one so congratulations to those guys uh to brendan who was one of our first guests on this podcast um crazy achievement um and long like you know i'd like to see him in the bbl but that's another conversation oh, we'll see what the off-season brings man but again w- before we Move on. We'll go into a little bit of BBL detail, but we're likely to cover most of this with Gino shortly. So we won't go into too much detail. And like the NBA, there's been a, hell of a lot going on. We haven't even spoken since the trophy double that the Lions won and the men's and the women's. Congratulations to those guys. We thought recently that Gino might have been out for the whole season. So we I was speaking to Rob Padnostro a little while ago saying, Oh, we've timed this terribly because Gino's now injured and we've got him onto the podcast. Um, But, you know, it's been great to see him back out on the court. Obviously, returned against Manchester not long ago. And although he seems slightly laboured by that wrist injury, um, it'll be, I think, a very interesting playoff run for those guys who, like we've said before, are very close to winning the league title. The Giants have a new coach in Lloyd Gardner, who are making a run for that eight speed, competing against the Bristol Flyers and the Surrey Scorchers, which will be a very interesting one. And even, we haven't even mentioned Ryan Richards leaving from the Scorchers and heading off to Tunisia. Looks like he's having a great time getting some sunning on the beach. Very jealous of that, Ryan. That's the problem with being monthly, I suppose. We get get sidetracked pretty quickly. Yeah, yeah
1: man, it's, it's always interesting to see, like you say, there's the, the basketball world, whether it be the BBL or NBA, is, is pretty fast-moving, so it's, um, we're, we're trying to surmise a lot of information here, but uh, it's been really great to see, like you, mate, as well, when we kind of discussed it off-air with, with Gino when that injury news broke. Um, I think that the Leicester Rider fan base and a lot of the BBL fan base were, were worried, and it's great that he was able to come back, like you say, even though looking a little bit laboured, He's been one of the most exciting players in the BBL this season. You know, being able to to back it up and have substance to those flashy moves also. And um, I I know that we were both really excited and wanted him on quite early on because he just stood out. Um, And it's been tremendous to see what he's been able to accomplish in his first season. Ryan Richards. Um, that was a shame. Even though I don't blame the guy, like, I I would like to be setting myself on a beach right now. Uh, but I, I think he was, you know, he's a veteran. Um, it was it was good to see him have some really big moments for, for Surrey and Cam also. Um, but in terms of the playoff push for that H C bro, like I know that you've got your Bristol affiliation. Who would you like to see kind of make that that final playoff spot?
0: Oh, that, that that's a big claim. It's a big question because I would obviously love to see Bristol there. But I think for me, because of Cam's assurge in this league, I think it has to be the Surrey Scorchers because I think to get that opportunity for him as a young guy, he could come in, you know, I'd love to see him hit a big shot in a playoff game. I think that would be massive for him personally and his development. And I'd just like to see him under those spotlights, to be honest, because I think he'd thrive whether I think they're going to get it over Bristol, I, I don't know. Manchester are obviously making a big push as well. I would prefer, obviously, either one of Bristol or, or Surrey, but that's simply because I don't have any connections to Manchester, so it's a lot of bias there. But I think it will be tight. It doesn't seem to be, you know, a standout from either way. I don't know what the schedules look like, if I'm honest, for all of the teams, but. I think it's going to be a bit of a slog from all sides, from what I've seen, especially for Surrey, who I think have some pretty big teams down the stretch. So, could end up being Bristol if I was a betting man, um, in terms of what it looks like. But we shall see, man. And obviously, the the title race is, is is hotting up, as we've said as well. It'd be awesome to see the Riders get it tomorrow if, if they're, when they're playing the Lions, because it'd be a nice sort of a big game to end the season on. But If they don't, you know, the Lions still have to win all their games. They could sneak in for that position. Although, you know, I think it it looks relatively unlikely. But the first step of that is tomorrow, right? And it's nice to see that we've got a a playoff bracket published already where they're going to be everywhere from kind of Newcastle, Worcester and Leicester. So for those guys, like Leicester specifically, if they get through London tomorrow, win the league, secure the one spot, and then they've got home court advantage for those final two, the potential finals and semifinals. Not that it matters as much without fans as we've discussed many times, but you know that that will be, I think, quite a big advantage for those guys, regardless. So, lots of interesting things, man. Really looking forward to those few days of playoff games in both the BBL and WBBL, as well as obviously the playing tournament, all those different things. So there's there's going to be in in the NBA. So there's going to be a lot of things happening at once and probably too much basketball to physically consume but we'll try our best, mate.
1: (laughs) Yeah, no, absolutely. And shout out to the branding as well for the BBL on Sky Sports. I I thought that the May Madness was a really cool thing and it's just sparked the interest and uh, like you say, man, it's exciting And, and and it starts with that cup final for you know for, for Leicester riders and London Lions tomorrow um, and it would be really interesting to see if, if the riders are able to capture that league title uh, and how they transition in the playoffs mate but obviously we'll be able to get Gino's breakdown which will be great
0: yeah man and just to give you an overview of Gino's background for those of you who may not watch as much BBL or don't know you know what he did before he came to the league Gino's obviously taken the league by storm this year, averaging 16.6 points a game with 7.8 assists, while pushing the riders to the one spot in the regular season, with many, many highlight plays captured by Dees Reels, who's been doing a great job of making sure he secures the uh, behind the back passes from Gino each time he does them, which is great to see. (laughs) For many, he's leading the MVP race, drawing plays league-wide from coaches, players, media and fans, and the riders, Bluntley have only lost five games this season. So it's been a very, very strong outing. And I, I really like the team that Rob has put together there. I think, you know, he's living the point guard's dream a little bit there at the moment, with William Lee to throw lobs to, shoes on the, the side with Connor Washington and Corey Johnson as well. Like that that's a, a nice luxury to have as well as a good big man presence. They got the overtime win against the Plymouth Raiders, who have just had Prince eBay leave, which I think is going to be quite big for them, as well as Denzel Ubiaro, so that will probably have significance in the playoffs. But recently, obviously this weekend, we were shocked by the Eagles, who look to be making a bit of a resurgence. Coming up, Gino had just two Division I offers out of high school before joining North Dakota and becoming one of the most sought-after point guards in the country. He was part of the first ever NCAA team for North Dakota before moving to this year's March Madness runners-up, the Gonzaga Bulldogs who lost to a very strong Bayless team, as we discussed earlier, after going 31-0 uh, to reach the final. Gonzaga is a programme that's boasted a number of NBA players, including the Pacers Demontis Zabonis, the Kelly Olenek, and the Wizards Rui Hachimura, who played with Gino in his time uh, at Gonzaga. So it'd be interesting to see what it was like to play with someone of that calibre on a college stage. Gino played 28 games for the Zags, coming off the bench, averaging five points a game. He made his first appearance as a Zag versus the Idaho State and had a season-high 13 points against Texas A&M. In this show, we'll talk about the Leicester Riders' season, how he's been coping with that wrist injury, what the diagnosis is and how that looks for his playoff push with the Riders. We'll look at Gonzaga's run in March Madness and how he felt watching it from the UK, which must be a a bit of a different experience, especially in a pandemic because of, you know, how big college basketball is over there. It's a, a very, very big difference. Um, his allegiance is in the NBA, with him coming from Minnesota uh, and being a very close friend of Jalen Suggs, who is the starting point guard for Gonzaga Bulldogs, who's looking to be a top four pick in the NBA draft this year, as well as much, much more. So welcome, Gina Crandell. How are you doing, man? Thank you very much for, for coming on today. Like, we really appreciate your time, and especially with how big your schedule is at the moment with London tomorrow. But I was going to ask as the, as the first question, have you uh, have you forgiven uh, Justin Gordon for that time the other day? Yeah. <laughs> as that, that
2: happened. <laughs> yeah, for sure. It, um, yeah, it wasn't a huge deal. It was just kind of a, um, I don't know. I think in the moment, you know, as, as competitors, you kind of get obviously kind of caught up in the moment. And I think it was just a situation. it wasn't even like upset or anything. I just didn't appreciate it. You know, I think a few weeks before that, um, you know, we had went down there and beat them by like 25 or 30 or something, you know, and nobody did anything like that. You know, we kind of just went about our business and went home. So, that kind of like rubbing salt in the wound situation, uh, it was, I don't know, it was just unappreciated. Like, we weren't playing defense anymore. It's just like, you know, you can, we're all professionals think, here. But it is what it is. It happens. It's basketball. I think he got excited because he's on Sky, right? Makes makes sense. <laughs>
0: but, yeah, it's like an unwritten rule, right? It's just one of those things. But, obviously... You know, yesterday you must have had a good day, number one recruit in the nation, Chet Holmgren committed to your old team in in Gonzaga and your boy Jalen Suggs has announced the NBA draft. So you
2: must be having a a pretty good time right now. (laughs) Yeah, no, it was definitely, definitely a good day for me. A good uh, afternoon. I think it was all like, I think Chet's was probably at like, I don't know, six or something. I don't even remember. I was just laying in bed, scrolling, loaded up his Instagram live when he was doing his announcement and everything. Um, But yeah, no, it was awesome. It was super cool. It was super cool.
0: Is like him and is it? Am I right in thinking that him and Jalen work out together? Is that is that right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, I've seen them ever, seen ever like since, they
2: younger, um, since they were younger. Since they were younger, they played same AU program. Um, came up in like the same grassroots organization, and then played in high school together. Uh, work out together in the summer. So yeah, they're they're super close. Um, they got a really good bond, and so it was kind of um, you know I'll leave and I'll let you come in, Chet, and and, and now you're you know you're the guy on campus. So. It was cool. It was a nice moment to see for them.
1: And um, we're a little late, late to the party, man, but um, obviously there's been March Madness recently. How have you kind of found that adjustment, sort of with the time difference <laughs> and stuff? It's it's something that UK fans know well, man, like staying up late to watch their ball, mm-hmm. ball, ball clubs. But how have you found that adjustment?
2: Yeah, it was hard. Uh, <laughs> it was tough. You know, I think the, the first round games, like the first weekend is cool because you got games on all day, you know, so they'll come on at like, I don't know, I think like, Five our time, some games would start. So those are the, you know, those are good. That's a good situation. That's not bad. You know, you eat dinner, watch some basketball, but then you get to the later games that are coming on at like two thirty and three o'clock. And you know, at that point, I was like, all right, I'll I'll watch Gonzaga play, but I'm not, you know, I'm not staying up for for too much more. I want to watch basketball, but I don't I don't want to watch it that much. You know, <laughs> it was it was tough. So then you know, sometimes just like oh, I'll just see who won in the morning. You know, and just go on about it. But there was a few games I think Gonzaga had the worst. I think the championship game was like a 2.30 start or something like that. It was rough. Yeah, I was like, oh my goodness, come on. Were
1: you you on the coffee hard? Were you hitting the coffee Uh, hard at that point?
2: Yeah, I was, well, I just, I took a nap earlier. So I took a nap that like, it was probably the dumbest idea I've ever had. (laughs) But I went to bed at like 8 p.m. and then woke up at like 10. So I was just wired, stayed all the way up to like 5 something, end of the game, and wake up the next day, go to practice at like 10. I was like gino are you all right like, yeah no but yeah <laughs> i was gonna say i bet rob is teasing you and the guys. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah for sure they 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 couldn't wait till gonzaga lost uh
0: yeah i mean it was like it was really fun to watch regardless right like it was a great, great oh yeah. series and um yeah like mark mark and i've said like for years that we want to go over there and watch it live because it's just like a completely a completely different experience i've only managed to do it once and that was like wasn't even really going to games, that was just like going to bars and mm-hmm. in, in India, And like, they've got what, like four teams around there, right? yeah. like Purdue, IU, all those guys. Um, so yeah, like that doesn't happen in this country. <laughs> <So>, I <like, laughs> wish it did, hopefully right. one day. But like, it's just, it was like a completely different thing to be surrounded by those guys. But yeah. talking to Gonzaga, like I dip in and out of, of March Madness in college ball, like I'm trying to pick up more, but like, what's the story with uh, Drew Timmy's like handlebar task?
2: Like, <laughs> what's this? going on there? <laughs> It's just him. It's yeah. It's just it's just him. It's just he kind of rolled with it. You know, from from what I've gathered, I think um, like he just you know did it one day, and his mom hated it. And I think anything that you know like our parents hate kind of makes you want to do it more. And um, you know it just it, it just grew with him. You know, all year he kind of just made a thing of it. People kinda of latched onto it and you know, once once you've kind of formed an identity, you know, and, and and created that, you know, image of yourself, you just go with it. And I mean he's he's a goofy guy, he's a really like loose guy. He's kind of the guy that keeps the team loose. So it's completely on brand for him. Yeah, a like, good
0: player too, like he's you know, Absolutely. He played played it very, very well. But obviously, yeah, we've we've kind of briefly touched on it already after the the unbeaten run of I think it was thirty one and from from your old team Gonzaga to, to reach the tournament. They came up against a, a very strong Baylor team. I've only watched Baylor like a handful of times, but like just seeing the first the foot speed of all of their guards and the, their ability to get shots off was made me feel yeah. a bit sick thinking about guards. <laughs> it was like, it was like, like yeah, it was, it was horrible. But like, yeah, it was it was still a great like final. But I suppose um, you probably prefer to think of the semi final, right, where
2: where you got the game winner from your guy Suggs. <laughs> Yeah, no, definitely. I mean, I think that that semifinal game was, you know, one of the the best uh, Final Four games I can remember in recent memory. I mean, you always get good games every year, but just kind of the the shot making from UCLA in that game. And then, you know, obviously, anytime you go to overtime, that's going to, you know, raise the stakes a little bit, make the game a little bit bigger. Um, And then to end on that shot, I mean, it was it was an all around great game, excuse me, back and forth. I mean, it felt like every team was throwing their best punch for the whole game in that semifinal. And then, um, I mean, the final, I enjoyed it. I thought it was really good basketball. I mean, I thought Baylor played incredible. Um, They just, they had a great game plan from the beginning Um, and their guys are are so skilled, um, so tough, so strong um, and, and play together really well that, you know, they just came out and, you know, that night they were just a better team far and away, I would say.
1: Do you think that Gonzaga sort of run out of steam in that final and what and kind of what do you make of the argument that they, they didn't, Gonzaga hadn't played anyone to, to Baylor's level prior to, to the final?
2: Yeah, I mean, uh, I don't think anybody, you know, had played anybody to Baylor's level. There was nobody. I think all year in college basketball, there was, it was Gonzaga and Baylor, you know, that was, they were preseason number one and two. Um, they stayed at those positions pretty much all year. I think everybody knew it was going to come down to that. So. You know, the, the same could probably be said for Baylor. You know, they hadn't played anybody to Gonzaga's caliber. And, you know, fortunately for them, they just had more that night. Uh, I think if it's a situation where you play a seven-game series like in the NBA, I think it probably could go either way. I think it will come down to a game seven. I think both teams are going to get three wins and then whoever plays, best that night. You know, and that's kind of the beauty of March Madness is you get one shot though. You know, it, it, every game, you know, means the most because you're going home if you lose. And you know, again, Baylor just—they—they they played out of their minds. They played incredible, incredible basketball. So yeah, they—they they got the best of that, you know, kind of in the story that 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 Cinderella run, that undefeated run ends there.
0: Oh man, it was tough. But like you know, Suggs had Suggs for the two fouls at the beginning of that game as well, didn't it? So as you say, like if it was a if it was a series, that doesn't happen every game and. Know, could open a few things but obviously speaking of him we've seen in the the build up to, to I think it was the final four coverage when he was talking about well reference you specifically and saying you know about your relationship how you're both from from Minnesota I don't know much about obviously the dynamic between you two guys but what, what is your relationship like with him and where do you see him falling in the in the draft because he's predicted to go, you know, anywhere from one to four?
2: Yeah, um, no, just uh, being from from Minnesota, being from the same area. I watched him a ton as he was coming up. You know, when he was younger, I was kind of just being like we have a, a decently close knit basketball scene and basketball community in the Twin Cities area, Minneapolis to St. Paul. And so just. Being around, you know, watching him play, I he played against my younger brothers when they were younger, so oh, okay. seeing him there, his director of his AAU program is a really good friend of my dad's. And, you know, so just being around them like that, you know, we, we just, it was it was like, you know, just know he's kind of like a, you know, the younger, you know, younger guy that everybody's got to keep an that, eye on, you know, you I know, he's going to be great. You know, everybody knew from, from, you know, the beginning that he was going to be great. And then um, when it came time for me to choose schools, that that I was transferring to when I went transfer from North Dakota to Gonzaga. um, You know, I ultimately ended up choosing Gonzaga. And I know he was kind of considering Gonzaga a little bit and they were interested in him and asking me a lot of questions about him while I was on campus. And I basically just, you know, was relaying all of this information onto him, onto his parents, onto, you know, his mentors and people that he trusts. I'm like, this is, you know, where you need to be. I can see you having a lot of success. And, you know, again, because we have that relationship, he trusted me, his parents trusted me. You know and those people around him trusted me and knew that you know i wasn't just trying to get him to go there for you know i don't know just hey i want you to go to school i went to like no I, I think it's a really really good situation for you and um you know and again he trusted me and and i think obviously raised his his draft stock probably a little bit you know throughout the process and then you know cemented himself forever you know as a gonzaga legend really but um i think we're he's obviously, i think He's, he's probably a lock for a top three pick I think if, if Minnesota is able to you know keep losing so that they don't lose that pick to the Warriors um, if they're able to secure one of those top three protective picks yeah that's a a play that I think makes a lot of sense for them as a franchise to go get a lead guard that you know can have the ball in his hands a lot obviously they got Russell and Rubio right now and you know having Edwards and Beasley they got a a, a solid guard core but I think the more you watch Jalen and the more you listen to the experts he's kind of a guy that you know when when you get a chance to take him you take him and, and not only from a basketball perspective for them does it make sense but you know if you're an organization that wants to sell tickets you know that, that wants to have you know all these eyes on you 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 go get a local guy you build that fan base of those people that are in your city that want to come to games already you know give them another reason to and you've seen a little bit of it with, with tyus jones when he was coming out and with minnesota drafting him um it made a lot of sense it was a big deal that You know he was able to stay home and and start his career with the professional team from minneapolis but uh, you know it obviously didn't work out there timberwolves were just in a really bad spot at that time i think they're kind of trending in a positive direction right now so I'm, i'm hoping that he lands there but Wherever he goes in, he's going to be successful. He works his tail off. Uh, he knows a lot about the game. And he's just a really, really talented player.
1: Finally, before we just move on to some NBA chat, Gino. You know,
2: obviously, it was an
1: historic run by Gonzaga, 31-0. If you can. I
2: mean, I was just super impressed. They were a great, you know, a historic level team, especially offensively all year. I mean, just the way they scored, how many different people could score, where they could score from, you know, was crazy. And then it kind of, uh, it sucked a little bit, you know, the, the loss. Um, I think for a lot of us, you know, guys, alumni, especially, um, you know, there's kind of this thing where like, oh, Gonzaga's, you know, this and this, you know, they get ranked number one every year and then, you know, never win the big one. It's like Gonzaga's really only been, you know, even in that conversation of the truly, truly elite programs for maybe like six, seven years. It's like, if you give any school seven years to win it all, not too many are going to be able to do it. (laughs) I mean, There's only a handful that have championships in general and the ones that have been able to do it recently like it's it's so small so i think like we we kind of are some of us older guys like want that validation you know like finally we got a championship like nobody can tell us anything anymore (laughs) and we thought it was this year but uh i guess we gotta (laughs) we gotta wait one more year hopefully next year we uh we, we can get that and and um, I remember telling one of my teammates because Nike does this thing where all the Nike schools, if like if you watch on the back of the jerseys, like on the collar, there's a little tag that like has the logo, and all like the top level Nike schools have silver ones, but if you've oh, won wow. a Final Four before, you get a gold tick or gold tag on the back of your oh. neck. and so. I was just joking, like, this is a year we're going to get that gold tag, you know. <laughs> <laughs> Unfortunately, we didn't, but hopefully next year. Hopefully next year we get a gold tag on our Knicks.
1: Um, obviously, you're a Minnesota guy. Do you follow the T-Wolves much? And uh, I can imagine that it's been, in recent times, nearly as painful as being a Knicks fan. <laughs> but, um, but like, yeah, it's a weird one because me and Jay have kind of touched on it a few times. And, like, you guys are a deceptively good team. You've got talent and obviously it might be because of injury, it might be because of COVID and, and health and safety protocols and things like that. But where do you kind of see the T-Wolves with Cat, with Edwards now and obviously with D'Angelo? Do you think you guys can make a legit playoff push next season in the West?
2: Yeah, I think, um, you know, I think with, with the Wolves right now, it's all about staying healthy. Um, you know, I, I remember reading something, you know, the other days from one of the, you know, Twitter um, talking heads and like the, the amount of games that, Cat, Edwards and Russell have all played together is like, I want to say in the single digits or maybe like low double digits of games they've been able to have, you know, your best players on the court. Um, And obviously it's just the nature of the league, especially with, you know, the COVID stuff, the short turnaround. Uh, Well, that's actually not an excuse for the Wolves because they didn't even get invited to the bubble. So they can't even use the short turnaround. But just the way the year has been, you know, and you're and you're playing so many games in the NBA injuries happen. And you know, it's about managing that and, and finding a way through it. but. Like you mentioned, I mean, I think they got a good core. They got a young core, but but really talented, um, and it's just about you know finding the right pieces to surround them with, and also you know when it when it comes to young guys, especially in the NBA, I think it helps to you know have a, a talented coach who can manage those guys. I think coaching in the NBA is probably different than coaching anywhere else because these guys are so good at basketball. You know it's a lot more like you just have to manage a lot more things like how can you manage you know the players how can you put them in the best positions to be successful because a lot of them already have the tools you know it's not about teaching them the tools as much as it is everywhere else it's it's just more about managing them putting them in, in the right spots and, and coming up with systems to fit your players or getting players to fit your system and for the last however many years i mean the timberwolves haven't had either of those they just kind of roll the dice and put some random guys out there and try some random stuff and see what works and none of it's worked
0: (laughs) last time you had Tibbs, right like tibbs and jimmy and those guys so yeah that was the last and that was that
2: was the 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 you know probably the most successful timberwolf season since like 04 you know And, and they got him out of there you know obviously i think tibbs is probably one of those guys i think he's probably really good with young guys yeah, I, I, I liked him. I thought he was good. I thought Jimmy Butler brought a lot of good things to the Wolves, um, but obviously there was some some internal stuff there that just wasn't working out, and the the Wolves have paid the price for letting him go because he's 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 doing his thing in New York. You're absolutely right. I think with the with the Tibbs like
1: effect, he's been so big for New York, and and I think. Weirdly, I, I didn't necessarily see that with the young core and the young team. I didn't really understand how good it was going to be for us in terms of establishing a culture and the yeah. chemistry that we do have on the core right now is really good. But I'm with you. I worry a little bit about the longevity. <laughs> yeah, I worry yeah, a little yeah. bit about the burnout effect and how long that's going to last. But to be honest, the last 20 years have been so bad as a Knicks fan <laughs> overall. That, to be honest, man, like the fact that we're like... You know, in touching distance of fourth
2: yeah.
1: in the east right now. If, yeah. If you told me that, I was like, I'm, I'm up for like, it. Yeah. Sign me I'm up. up here, <laughs> sign me like, I, you know, we still haven't got like a legit point guard, really. Right. But but we kind of do it by committee, and uh, yeah, and yeah. I'm, I'm higher on Alfred as well than um, than a lot of people are. Mm. I think you know he's he's been able to kind of get that aggressiveness uh, early on. So. Yeah, man, but I'm with you. How long it's going to be sustainable for, I'm not sure, but we'll wait and see.
2: Yeah, I think he he fits kind of the the New York profile a lot more than he did Minnesota too. I think when you think back to, you know, some of the successful Knicks teams, it's like they embody that New York mentality, that work hard, you know, kind of, and and he kind of is that same way. So I think he's a really good fit out there, so far at least.
0: Yeah, man, no, it's been good. And like, obviously, you know, we were going to ask about your kind of NBA allegiances because, you know, you played with <laughs> Washington Wizards player, uh, Rui Hachimura at Gonzaga. Does that pull you at all? Like, do you watch, do you pick up the Wizards games? Are you looking at the kind of play and stuff at the moment? Like, you, I think yourselves both the Bulls and um, <laughs> the the Toronto Raptors at the moment as well, obviously quite neck and neck. And if you've got an eye on that, I'll, um, I'll have some
2: things to say about it too. <laughs> Yeah, no, I, um, I, I, uh, I kind of just bounce around. Like, I, am I think for me, like, I, it's hard for me to align myself with a team just because the Wolves have been so bad for so long. And, and I just like basketball. Like, I just like watching whoever's playing well, whoever's got, you know, a good structure, whoever, whoever has a good culture. Um, but I definitely stay up with, with the Gonzaga guys probably more than anybody. So, you know, I'll catch a Wizards game here or there to watch Rui or a Pacers game to catch the bonus or, Rockets to watch you know Kelly Olenek or the Grizzlies probably are my favorite right now they got Brandon and Clark or Brandon Clark and Killian and Tilly who I both play with. so them having two Zags on their roster definitely uh kind of pulls me a little more to watching them and then um having Tyus Jones who you know I know um have a decent relationship with like I've enjoyed watching them it's always cool to watch guys you know um play at that level but yeah I would say definitely definitely my my allegiance is with the Zags in the NBA that's probably the uh the, the best answer i can give
1: i know that we've kind of uh, we've kind of touched on the knicks rise and then um, you know i could talk positively about the knicks right now all day long but in terms of like the east how do you kind of feel that's shaping up right now and, and who do you kind of see breaking out into the conference finals this year it's been a bit of a weird season i think yeah. injury play a massive part like kd went down again which is really sad to see hard and struggling with a hamstring injury so we're not really sure how that's gonna play out. And then you've obviously got the Lakers on the west side with uh, with LeBron and uh, AD also. So, funky season, you know, with
2: COVID and injuries, right? Yeah, it's been crazy. And honestly, I think it's been a little bit like that everywhere. I know even in the BBL, a lot of guys have been getting injured. Um, and in other leagues across Europe, you know, I know a lot of people in Japan, I know people that are playing that have been injured. so. It, it, it's definitely been weird. I think the COVID stuff has, has had a little bit of a um, an effect on that. But as far as the NBA goes, I mean, yeah, with, with the injuries and everything you talked about, it's almost like a toss-up. You know, I think Brooklyn's probably still the favorite, you know, if they can just get those guys healthy at some point, you know, and, and having, you know, three of probably the best players in the league helps you out because if one goes down, still in pretty good shape. If another goes down, hey, you still got one superstar. That's more than, you know, a lot of, a lot of teams have you know i would say after brooklyn i think brooklyn probably you know is is a clear cut favorite after that i mean it's 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 really it's awesome. if anything could happen it's it's been a crazy crazy season
0: yeah, man. we're both not like huge fans of the playing and Mark even less so now he's sitting yeah, in four yeah. for the first time in many years. Um, <laughs> but I'm a fan of it because we're 10th, so
1: it's like… Like, oh wait, you. we
2: got a shot, huh? Okay. <laughs> yeah.
1: I, think, I think it's just, it feels a little bit gimmicky to me. And it mm. kind of, de- for me personally as a fan, it, it devalues, I think, like the regular season and, and like how hard teams have got to get that record and to get that seeded status. And then it's like, oh, actually, just as an after, if you have a play and you can still get in. And it's, I don't know. Yeah, that's just my opinion on it, man, as a fan.
2: Yeah, no, I agree. I think it's weird. I think um, for the bubble, it made sense, obviously, because the way the season ended with the cancellation and then being picked up, you know, every team didn't play the same amount of games. So, you know, you you might be in a situation. I think it wasn't even like a guaranteed. I think it was like if a team was within a certain amount of games from the eighth place game, then that's, I think that's how like Memphis got in or something, if I remember correctly. Um, and yeah, I don't know. I guess they must have like made a good amount of money off that playing game that they were like, let's let's bring it back, let's do it again. And yeah, it feels really gimmicky. Um, you know, I don't I don't know if I'm a fan of it. I guess I'll have to wait and see how it it plays out this season. But it's yeah. I mean, I, that's one thing about the NBA. I feel they're always willing, especially under Adam Silver so far, they're always willing to try new things and, and do what they can to bring new fans in. So I mean, I don't know if it if it works for them, it works for them. Hopefully, there's some people that are. Smarter than me making those decisions. It gives me like Super League vibes, but
0: we won't. <laughs> we won't, <laughs> we won't we're, we're talk not going down. Podcast.
1: We're not going down that, road, man.
0: <laughs> <laughs> you probably had enough of it in the UK right now, man. Like, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, moving. Obviously, moving the UK side and, and moving to your lesser riders. Obviously having a great, great season, you're you're in top standings in terms of MVP candidacy. We originally obviously had the news of your your hand injury from BBL fixed not long ago, with the interview with Rob Panastro from BBC Leicester, saying that initially it could put you out for the season. And I think I speak for many people when we were really gutted to kind of, you know, have that as a prospect from the league standpoint, let alone from the Leicester Riders fan base. But great to see you back on the court. Great to see you return against Manchester and and you're back with decent minutes. How has that been for you, man? Like, what was the original diagnosis and how was the recovery, I suppose, before getting back? We just didn't get the, I think, full story from that interview.
2: Yeah, yeah, I think um, that's a lot of what it was. And and it was kind of because all the information was still kind of up in the air. Um, You know, I ended up seeing a bunch of different uh, doctors. They had me go to like three or four different specialists, take a bunch of different scans. So I think at the time, you know that that interview was done. Like there were some doctors that were saying, "Oh, it might be an eight-week thing," which would have put me out for the year. There were some doctors saying, "Oh, it might be a six-week thing," which was like, "Oh, maybe I'll be back," you know, for the final. And you know, ultimately, like honestly, uh, there was not a single doctor that recommended me coming back as soon as I did. Um, <laughs> that was just kind of a personal thing that I was like, I, I got to be out there for my guys. But yeah, I mean, I think just a lot of it was was so up in the air that i think more of what coach rob was saying was like a worst case scenario you know could be done for the year and, and thankfully it didn't turn into that i've, I've been kind of able to, to do some rehabbing and, and just working through the healing process and, and kind of you know just trying to, to listen to my body um what it's telling me to do um if it's telling me i'm i can play you know it was kind of my thing like if i i told rob like you know if 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 you feel like you need me i'll go out and play left-handed you know it, it is what it is like i'll probably be limited but i can contribute in, in some way you know or if connor washington just looks exhausted and he needs a blow like i'll go in and won't do anything but i'll just be out there as a body and guard people you know defend not hurt myself but you know just just that's just got kind of the, the kind of player and guy i am i want to contribute in in any way so i think it was um i knew i wasn't going to be done for the season I just knew like I said if I had to you know tie it behind my back to make sure I didn't hit it on anything like that's what I would have done but yeah since then I mean it it, it was a crazy road getting back because there was so much confusion and uncertainty early on and then um Again, like it's it's still not all the way healed, but it's just a matter of, you know, I kind of, I, I, I want to be out there. I want to be contributing. I want to be helping my team. You know, I, I want to win the league title. I want to be in first place. You know, if it hurts, it hurts, whatever. I'll deal with it in the off season. Um, if if I can play and I'm not making it worse, which, you know, is kind of the consensus that we got from a few of the professionals we've seen, is that like, you're not in a position where you can make it worse by playing. It's just not going to heal yet. I was kind of like, fun yeah I was kind of like you know all right fine you know uh, like I said it'll heal in the off season. I'll deal with a little bit of pain now I'll take painkillers on game days you know and, and kind of just do that so that's what's been going on and I mean it's it's been working okay I think we're two and one or three and one since I've been back so I guess it's it's all oh, right a few highlight
0: players are here and there as well mate yeah, a little like... bit <laughs> a couple maybe <laughs> no, not as many but mate it's been great to see you back as we said and um, yeah thank yeah, you I appreciate I... that I think everyone respects that, you know, the fact that you're fighting through that as well. So, yeah, uh, absolutely. for sure.
1: Yeah, as we kind of just touched on as well, obviously, the injury, thankfully, was was briefer than many expected. Um I think that one of the really cool things that, that Riders fans have seen is is the depth of the point guard position this season. And I think you and Connor Washington have been able to complement each other really well. How reassuring was it, you know, that although you, you were going down for, for a period of time, that you did have someone of of connor's uh you know stature gb guard um, to kind of steer that shit while while you were out
2: yeah i think it you know oddly enough i think i was probably the least concerned out of everybody um i think a bunch of guys you know kind of thought oh you know one of our top guys is going down like it's going to change what we do and i mean it did change how we played in a in a sense you know a little bit to an extent but um yeah, I was just like, you know, next guy up. Like, connor has got this. He's been doing it all year. You know, his, his whole career, honestly, he's, he's been a really, really talented high-level guard. He can make all the plays. He can make all the same passes. He can make probably more shots. And he shoots the ball way better than me. So that's just a different thing that teams have to game plan for and scout for. Like, it changes what they're going against. You know, they've played all year thinking that Leicester Riders are this. And now they have to see a whole different team, a whole different dynamic so you know i I was you know super unconcerned and and i let connor know that you know before every game like hey just go out there and and be you you don't have to try and do anything other than being you because you're good enough you know you're obviously a great basketball player um so just go out there and like it's it's your team you know steer the ship obviously he's been he's been huge
0: and obviously it's a big part of the gb setup um someone that's been around with the leicester riders for many many years but coming back to you, like obviously you've been voted as a, you know leading front runner for the MVP this season, uh, along with guys like Chandre Liggins, Dirk Williams from the Lions, who you guys have got tomorrow. With just sort of three games left of the regular season for you guys, you need obviously a win tomorrow against the Lions, or, or two for the two games after that. How much would an accolade like that mean to you? And and was it a goal for you, I suppose, coming in to the BBL when you first started?
2: definitely definitely wasn't a goal um I could start there I mean I kind of just had the idea that I was just going to come in and and just play basketball you know um do the best I can every day help out however I can you know whether it's scoring passing defending communicating whatever it is um but I think just having that mindset kind of lends itself to to those kinds of you know achievements when when you're you know not focusing on any one thing you just want to do whatever, you know, add value, you know, in the sense that it's the most valuable player, you know, all those things that I mentioned add value. So in wanting to be somebody that can do all of those things, like I think it kind of lends itself to, again, that kind of accolade and that kind of achievement. But, you know, that being said, now that we're here and it's a possibility, um, it would be really nice. Uh, I think it'd be really cool just you know to, to see that hard work pay off and anytime you're able to get recognition for doing something you do well i, I think it's a nice uh, a humbling experience to know that those things don't go unnoticed so uh, it would be really cool i think first and foremost is is myself and everybody you know in our club wants to win the league and then you know if that comes as a byproduct or as a result of myself and obviously everyone else playing well enough to win the league then that's awesome
0: that's cool, man. I think I think yeah, we speak for everyone when we've really enjoyed watching you play and a lot of the highlight plays as well as all of the intangibles that you mentioned. Yeah, thank <laughs> um, you. <laughs> but yeah, obviously you you played in the the Czech Republic before this, um, which you have mentioned before is is a very different place, very different league, very different culture. When when you came and you first arrived at the Riders, you mentioned about how big Rob would be and his coaching style to how you could sort of be successful and grow not only for yourself but as a team. I guess, I guess the question is like, how, how impressed have you been with, with Rob and his coach's standpoint and kind of ability to put you in a position? I think one of the things you mentioned was just being able to be in a position where you could kind of grow, but also play your game the way you wanted to within his offense.
2: Yeah, um, I think it's it's been huge for me so far. Uh, I think that was a big part of, you know, me signing with Riders in the off season was um, you know, I had a a, a a good friend of mine. He's older, kind of like a, a big brother mentor figure, Cameron Rundles, who played for the Riders a while back, Um, probably maybe like 10 years ago. He's an old man. to make sure I let <laughs> him know that, make sure he hears that. Yeah, he just, he, he played for Rob and just told me, you know, what kind of guy he was, you know, how much he cared, you know, how much he kind of demanded the best out of his players, but also how much he was, you know, understanding and knowing that people have to grow in their positions, that, you know, nobody's a finished product, that, you know, it's, it's, it's kind of going to be a, situation where you want to be better when you leave than when you get here. You know, you want to be better on whatever May 16th, the day the championship is, than you were in September when you arrived. And, and he's he's been incredible in helping me with that, um, whether it's, you know, him asking me questions. He, he, you know, respects my ideas about what we should maybe be doing X's and O's wise, like defensively, he'll say they do this. You know, what do you think of this? Or he'll show me some film and ask me what I think of that and allow me to, you know, grow on the mental side or have my voice heard and have those discussions about why he thinks we should do something differently and then you know in terms of offensively, he's always asking me where do i want the ball at where do i want these other guys at? you know what do i think about this set what do i think about this play what do i think about getting this guy a shot here and, and so he, he's allowed me to to really grow in those areas and he's allowed me to mess up as well you know he's allowed a turnover here or there or he's allowed me to miss shots you know he's allowed me to you know, probably take the last shot of the game and miss. And it's like, hey, you know, you're gonna, the ball's gonna be in your hands next time too. So it, it's been really big for me in, in my growth and my development and um, just in, in my success as well. I think it, it, it you know, lends itself to guys wanting to play better and being able to play better when you have somebody behind you that you know is, is gonna stand behind you, whether you're doing well or whether you're not, you don't have to look over your shoulder thinking that somebody's going to be upset with you or or, or this or that, you know, you just kind of get to go out there and play worry free and and play carefree um, and and just try and bring the best out of yourself because, you know, he's demanding the best out of you as well. Obviously,
1: this is the the strongest, I think, that the BBL in terms of talent has been for some while with a, a lot of high caliber Brits returning following Justin Robinson's footsteps as, as also, you know, high caliber Americans such as yourself and, and obviously DeAndre Liggins. Was there anything that's kind of surprised you uh, about the league coming in? And is has it, is it exceeded your
2: expectations in terms of that standard? Yeah, I would say it's definitely exceeded um, my expectations. I really didn't have much, you know, I didn't know much coming in, kind of just thought I was here playing basketball. Um, now, that was pretty much the extent of it, to be honest. I thought I was in a country that, you know, loved football, so basketball, you know, might be an afterthought, which, you know, in a sense it is, but you, you wouldn't be able to tell that by the product that some teams are putting on the court. You know, they're 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 absolutely invested in in what's going on, you know, in, in the league and wanting the league to be better. And I think there's a, a collective um effect to that. I think everybody in the league wants the league to be better and wants the league to grow. And you know, I hadn't experienced that. When I was in the Czech Republic, I think it was kind of like this league is what it is. You know, this is what it's going to be. Where here it's like, okay, we're at this spot now, which again, is is still a pretty good spot. But we want it to grow. We want to make it better. How do we make it better? So I think that's probably the one thing that that maybe has surprised me um, is this like collective, you know, you'll have guys on other teams that while you're, you know, you're going and you're on the court, You know you're going to war but they're supporting you because they feel that the more you push yourself and your image and your in your club that it grows the league and um so yeah i think for me that's been super surprising like probably in in other leagues around the world if there's another guy having success you know it's like oh we want to knock them off that pedestal but here you know it's like i I could do a highlight and other guys in the league are posting you know the highlight and tagging me in it because they're just trying to grow you know they're, they're trying to grow the league they're trying to they know that you know raising one player or one club profile and you know also and other guys doing that as well you know raises everybody you know if, if someone's posting your thing and then they're posting yours both of your audiences are you know so it um yeah that's that's probably the biggest um surprise that i've had is just how much other like how many how much players are invested in kind of growing the league and their clubs
0: it's definitely taken some momentum, hasn't it? I think this year, it's it's again people like BBL Fix who are doing a great job. BBL themselves moving up. Like there's all these podcasts that have come out. Just yeah, it seems that there is momentum behind it. You know, we could talk about the sky coverage and everything, which has already been kind of covered considerably. But I just yeah, I'm very excited about where it is and to have players like yourself and begins and, you know, lots of other guys that are, you know, helping to to grow it has been it's been really cool. But obviously, yeah, with, with the regular season coming to a close, we've only got three games left. I suppose we have to talk about the big game tomorrow. <laughs> Although I appreciate it, probably be very much, there'll be a lot in your brain at the moment about that. The Riders, you know, obviously two and three, I think, so far this year against the Lions across competitions. The Riders themselves have changed quite considerably, I think, since those games, since that game specifically obviously with you back in the lineup from from the short-term injury with with Mo back and additions such as uh, Stafford Haran, like how how do you think that changes the dynamic of the game tomorrow?
2: You know I think it's it's just a different game um, all around obviously with the additions we've made you know they've got some guys returning back from injuries and then obviously just the weight of the game you know essentially it's it's the league championship game you know if they win obviously we still control our destiny a little bit and, and being able to get those other two games, but if they win, they they put themselves in a in a good spot as well, having the, you know, the head to head over us in the regular season. You know, and if we win, that knocks them out, they're done, you know, and, and we win first place tomorrow. So, you know, it's I think the weight of it makes it a different game. And I think it, it almost has that, you know, kind of that that March Madness feel or that game seven of a final series feel where everything is riding on that game. And I think that just makes it different. You know, I think guys are I think it's I, I'm imagining you know, there's I don't know how much you know it, it travels, but there's like a saying, you know, back home uh, in America when there's these big games, is that like it goes one of two ways: either everybody makes everything because you know it's 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 so important, or everybody misses everything because just the nerves are so high, tension's <laughs> so high. So I think it could end up being one of those. I'm hoping for the you know the everybody makes everything version because it's just a better <laughs> basketball product to watch. <laughs> yeah, yeah, of course. But yeah, I mean, it just it, it feels different. There was a little bit of a buzz about us in, in training today. Um, and I mean, this is this is what you play the game for, to be in these positions, to, to have these big games where, where things matter. You know, it's not a random Wednesday in, in January. You know, it's it's essentially the regular season championship game. I've
1: got I've got to ask as well, man, but obviously there's been a lot of buzz around the Lions all season and quite rightly so. But is it going to make it extra sweet if you do manage to beat them tomorrow and just be like, yeah, we we've got the league and we, we beat the supposed best team in the league?
2: <laughs> yeah, I think it would for for a lot of guys. Um, I know that you know it's it's kind of been a, a rivalry that's built up th- this year um, but between our two clubs, and um, you know I think it'd be really special to to you know knock them you know out of you know championship contention on their home floor, um, but. I mean, for me, it's just, I I just want to win. I wouldn't care if it's against them. You know, I wouldn't care if it's against Worcester or Bristol. I wouldn't care if it's against, you know, uh, an academy team. Like if I'm going out there, I want to win. So um, I think that's the biggest thing for me personally. Um, But I know a lot of guys, it's it's really important to to get this one over them. And then, like you said, there's just been a buzz about them since day one. And I think we kind of, you know, coasted, you know, under the radar a little bit for a while. And it was like, oh, hey, Riders are six games ahead of everybody. What what happened there? So, I, I think it'll be important for some people. For me, it's I just I just care about you know winning winning the trophy. I don't care who it's against. No, cool man. And um, we've seen a lot of debate about how the league structures
1: things, like with the trophy, the cup, and obviously the playoffs. Um, is that a little bit of a weird weird thing for you in terms <laughs> of being an American? Because like we as a fan base have kind of discussed it as well and. Um, it's, it's just a, it just feels a little bit odd that you've got the league championship, but then you have the playoffs in addition to that. What's kind of your thoughts on
2: it? Yeah, yeah, I would I would actually love to hear what everyone else thinks about it because I personally think it's crazy. Like it's just it's just a little like like we talked about with the play, it feels a little gimmicky having you know like four different competitions throughout the year. You know, I think even like with the NBA regular season, I think it, it holds weight to be the team that's been number one for the whole regular season. But like you're still playing for the finals. And I think when, when I think whoever wins the, the regular season championship will still be playing for the playoff championship. You know, that's still a, an, an overall end goal. But I think just the, the, I think there's just differences in the perception of it from, especially from Americans where we're used to like there's one thing that matters all year. Like it's, it's the finals, you know, or it's the Super Bowl or, you know, it's the World Series. Like, I don't yeah it's it's just a different thing you know having to play in the cup and we're like what wait we're only playing three teams two times each and then we go we do what you know and yeah. it's like we're playing the trophy and it's like okay well how many times do we play these teams oh he's just one or you're out we're like what you know and then they're like oh now we're in the regular season we're like so what was that we were just doing you know
0: and, yeah it's confusing so it's, as well i think for fans but i think historically yeah. like it's a bit like a mismatch isn't it of cultures where like in the premier league you've got like the regular season, whatever they right. call it. like, and, and they win the title from no playoffs. I don't know if football <laughs> you can probably tell from the way I'm yeah. talking about it. Um, <laughs> saying all the wrong things. It's just, I think it's like a match between them. And like, historically, I think a lot of people would have, like from the BBL side at least, have said like, it's just about the revenue, isn't it? Like, right, absolutely. Different competitions <laughs> and like different game days and stuff, but whether it's the right model or not for fans and getting it in, yeah. It's, yeah. It's, it's, we could talk about it for a while, but. It's definitely right. weird. Definitely weird. Right. <laughs> Moving back to the riders, again, like I, I didn't play to a particularly high level, but I was a point guard like yourself. And, you know, looking at the way that Rob has put together this team, like, it just looks like it must be really fun <laughs> for you out there. <laughs> like, in terms of the, the team that you have, like, you've got like the high flyers in, you know, Jamal Moe, William Lee. So you can throw alleys, whatever you want. You've got shooters in Connor Washington, Corey Johnson, can't forget him. And, and post presence in Nelson Henry as well. So, like, it, how fun is that? Was that a consideration for you obviously coming in? And um, yeah, just, I just imagine it's a, a good time out there for a point guard.
2: <laughs> yeah, for sure. I mean, yeah, coming in, like I didn't I didn't know too much about um, any of the guys really on the club besides Mo. I knew Mo from, he played at the University of Minnesota, so I had watched Mo a, a little bit. Um, he's a few years older than me, so when I was like in, co- in high school, he was in college and I would go to the game sometimes and watch him play and, and knew he was a good player. But Yeah, I didn't know much. I just knew Rob told me that the guys he, you know, that were on the club were talented, that he had guys that can make shots. He had guys that could set screens. He had guys that could finish at the rim. um, And that the ball would be in my hands a lot, making the decisions on, you know, where it goes. And I was like, that's kind of how I like to play basketball. So, you know, let's, let's do it. And it's, it's been a blast. I mean, we have so many guys that are so talented in their own ways um, that I think it, it provides a really good balance that's, you know really hard for other teams to lock in on you know i think the the one thing that maybe teams could say is we know that at some point there's going to be gino coming off a ball screen you know and from there it's like all right you have to make a decision how you're going to do it and somebody's got to be open it's just my job to find them you know and it, it's it's made it you know so so incredibly easy when you have shooters like corey and connor and, you know jamel and aaron who can stretch the floor and make guys have to cover more space you know and, and that leaves lanes for like you said the, the cutters and, and and the guys that can finish at the rim to to get there in those spots or you have guys like you know ali and, and darian and moe you can just throw the ball into in the post and say hey do your thing we're going to give you space or we're going to give you cutters you know if somebody's open they'll find them um if if you know they've got a mismatch they'll go score it um and it's just providing an incredible balance um i think that's probably the the one thing that makes it the easiest to play. I think my team in, in the Czech Republic, we didn't have as much of that balance. Um, and, and so a lot more came on me to just kind of create things out of nothing almost sometimes. Whereas here, it's just like, it's so balanced. It makes it really, really hard to game plan against because you're going to give up something.
0: Obviously, yeah, like in addition to that, you know, we've already mentioned about the strength of the league, but you've also got the strength of the point guard position as well. So yourselves, Teddy, Fletch, um, Robinson McGill Ross, that you could go on. Um, it's been a really strong, you know, showing from the league in that respect. Has that been, I suppose, quite tough? It coming in as someone that wasn't as familiar with the league to kind of get to know, you know, how they play, their tendencies and stuff. And has that been like a cool matchup for you in terms of your growth as well, in terms of going against those caliber guys?
2: Yeah, I think Rob does a really, really good job of scouting, um, you know, of watching video and and letting us know what's coming, letting us know guys' tendencies. So it's never a situation really of going in blind. Um, I think you get more familiar as you play more. But I would say that he does a really good job of getting us ready for for what's going to be coming up. Um, And then, yeah, I mean, it. It's been fun, you know, because it's always nice to, to play high-level basketball and play against, you know, high-level guys that are going to be coming back at you and you're going at them. But, um, yeah, I don't know. It's like, I don't know. I think I'm, I'm like, too relaxed to get caught up in, like, a lot of the, like, back-and-forth or one-on-ones. Like, oh, I have to be the best at my position or, oh, I have to be better than this guy. Like, I just got to do enough for my team to win and that's good enough for me, you know, and, so far, it's worked out. We won the most, you know, league games so far. So I'll, I'll take it.
0: No, you're not picking fights for Darius Defoe like some teams, right? Uh,
2: yeah, I mean, if, if it happens, <laughs> it happens. But I'm not going out there like, hey, I'm, I'm coming for you. Like, um, I'm, I'm too lazy. I call it relaxed, but it's really just lazy. I'm too lazy. <laughs>
1: We'd, um, we'd be remiss as well talking about the elite point guys in the league and not mentioning uh, Raymond Fletcher, who, uh, who is also one of our favourite players to watch in the league and has been for a number of years now. Um, you've kind of already alluded to it on the Sky coverage in terms of your, your relationship with Fletch, but, but just elaborate in terms of that connection and, and, and what's that kind of been like when you are playing against him and, and having that little rivalry when, when you guys play the Eagles?
2: Yeah, I think um, since like after the first, I think, cup game or something, we played them in, um, I think there's kind of been a respect there and just an understanding that we kind of both play the game at a pretty high level, Um, you know, and since then, again, like, I don't ever, like, try and one up somebody or or any of that too much, Um, you know, maybe throughout the course of the game, like, I'll keep it in my mind, like, oh, like, I got to get you back at some point. But um, yeah, I mean, it's just been fun. Again, like, I think, that, that competitiveness kind of fuels, you know, uh, wanting to play against other high level players and, and knowing that they're going to bring the best out of you and you're going to bring the best out of them. Um, and just, yeah, I think anybody that, you know, has any competitive bone in their body, you don't want to go out there and be playing against a bunch of scrubs. Like you, you want it to be worth being out there. Um, and so there's definitely like been the respect thing. And you know, he, he's helped, um, you know, like i might. Like, saying something to a ref and he'll come you know just grab me be like hey you don't you know you don't need to get a technical right now just walk away come on why did you throw this pass there you should have threw it there so you know obviously him having more of that veteran experience and and having things that that he can you know impart on me has has helped me as well that's cool man obviously uh, moving
0: to the playoffs and the schedule that uh, there was a release today the playoff atmosphere is obviously always different we're not gonna have fans unfortunately but right it's, you know, a very different competition. And in terms of your expectations for that, yeah, obviously it's your first year in the league. How are you feeling about, you know, those playoffs coming up? The format, obviously, which we talked a little bit about already. Um, and, and obviously the chances of coming up against teams like Surrey, Bristol and Manchester are kind of fighting out for the eighth seed at the moment. How, how are you feeling about
2: all that? The, the format's strange. <laughs> That's new to me. Um, you know, the, the aggregate scoring thing or whatever with the two, one, well, I guess normally it'd be one home, one away, but, uh, the, the two neutral site games, it doesn't make a ton of sense to me. I'm not going to lie. So I'm just going to go out with the mindset that we just have to win both games to make it simple. But, um, no, it's exciting. I mean, again, I I think any, anybody that plays the game at a high level, um, has an edge and a competitiveness about them that, you know, anytime there's a chance to go win games, you want to do it. Um, And when there's, you know, these are basically the last games. Everybody wants to, you know, everybody wants to win. Everybody wants to be the champion. Everybody wants to hold that trophy up on May 16th. So I think it's going to be really, really high-level basketball. I'm hoping that those teams fighting for that, you know, those those last few spots, kind of beat up on each other, and you know, play their play their best guys for like 40 minutes leading up to it, and then practice really hard the week of so that they're (laughs) kind of tired, you know. Um, I wish we would have secured the league earlier, so maybe we could rest and, and not have to play, you know, too many minutes in these next couple of games and just worry about the playoffs. But I mean, here we are. it's fun. Like, I think this is, is probably the funnest time of the year. You know, it, it kind of all the marbles are, you know, all on this to say everybody's, you know, pushed all their chips in and, and, and this is the stuff that matters. This is what you play the game for. So uh, I, I'm really looking forward to it. I think it's going to be really, really fun, even with no fans.
0: Yeah, man, and yeah, you've got the I suppose the added um, caveat of potentially having a couple of Leicester-based
2: games yeah. at the end there, right? So,
0: like for what that's worth, with no fans, yeah. like, you're still gonna have Routledge and, and Mistero yeah. on the sidelines. <laughs>
2: <laughs> Maybe trying a little bit, who knows? Yeah, for sure. It'd be nice not have to travel anywhere. You know, just sleep in your own bed, wake up, take your own cars to the arena, do all your normal stuff
0: routines and all that, but yeah. um, just before we go to some sort of more uh, like, uh, you know, quick fire questions is a bit of fun, like we'll talk a little bit more about your Gonzaga days and obviously some of the the players and teams that you came up against there, like some of the highlights that I was watching, for instance, when you beat Duke with Zion and RJ, Mark obviously has a big affiliation with RJ right now. Um, <laughs> Zion's talking about wanting to join the Knicks and all sorts. So <laughs> God knows what's happening. But um, yeah, I don't know. I'm keeping I didn't know quiet if,
1: right now. I'm
2: keeping <laughs> quiet.
0: <laughs> I didn't know if you had like a, a favorite moment in Gonzaga or, or, or like how how that worked for you. So
2: oh it? yeah, beating Duke was was pretty big. I think um, I think they were number one in the country at the time. We were number three, and uh, it was kind of kind of a similar situation to the the Baylor Gonzaga thing this year. I don't think that our two programs were kind of as head and shoulders above everyone the way it was this year but i think there was a lot of talk about um they them and us and i think kansas was the other team if i remember that was kind of in the conversation preseason that year of like these are the teams we think could win it and they had a lot of hype around them and you know winning in maui i think up until that year duke had won every time they played in maui so that was kind of cool being the first team to ever beat duke in maui and like obviously they were, they were preseason number one, and like we knew after we won that game, you know, I think it was on like a Wednesday, and the rankings come out on Monday mornings. Uh, we knew we'd be number one in the rankings the next morning, so or the next Monday. So that was really big. But I would say my favorite was probably our senior night game against BYU, the last home game of the regular season. Is always really cool. I don't know how familiar you guys are with senior nights, but like. They let your parents come down on the court before the games, um, you know, and they do like a big tribute for all the seniors on the team because it's their last home game of their careers, and, and so that was really cool having my mom and, and some of my family and friends be able to come out to that game and just experience what the kennel was like where we played our games at at Gonzaga. I mean, it's it's one of the craziest basketball atmospheres like that I've ever seen. It's it's just nuts. It's like a, a party for like four hours. Everybody's just there, and and it's just like it's it's the so loud like the roof is is almost coming off the place the floor is shaking and like so for my family to get to experience that was cool and then um like we played BYU who was a rival team and and, you know we 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 handled them pretty well we were in control the whole game there was a ton of highlight plays and like the emotion of playing our last game in the kennel was like it was it was just an incredible incredible moment like I, I look back like I think about it all the time to this day it was just one of those moments that like I wish everybody got the experience cuz like it was just a crazy crazy thing to feel like there was so much energy and um yeah it was crazy like all the seniors you knew it was their last game we had like two guys Rui Hachimura and Brandon Clark everybody knew they weren't coming back for their senior year so it was their last games like it was it was it was a huge it was a really cool moment just uh, again
1: like uh, who was um,
2: who was the best player
1: that you played against in your college days for you man
2: yeah best player i would probably say Zion Williamson was he was he was he was incredible like he was like he didn't even belong on the court sometimes he would just do things and you know like what the heck just happened I mean like <laughs> oh, I gotta take the ball out and go try and score wait a minute but yeah he was he was incredible incredible to watch in the play against. I, I still don't appreciate I,
1: I think the level of athleticism for a guy his size and that big yeah he just like. I, there are times where you have, even now, you have to, like, look twice.
2: Yeah, it's it's crazy. And the thing is, like, I don't know if, if if television does it justice. Like, he's he's so incredibly athletic when you're out there with him, you know, because he's, he's big. He's huge. He's a big guy. But the way he moves, it's it's just like you watch it and your eyes are just like, it doesn't register. Like, how does this happened? How can that much weight move that quick and that fast and change direction? Like, that? it's, yeah, he's, he's incredible.
0: Yeah, uh, yeah. I've only, really, really, like, one of the classiest guys I've seen is, like, Russell Westbrook live and it just, like you say, like, when you see it in person, like, wow. <laughs> like, <Yeah. laughs> even from the stands, I'm not even on the court, do you know what I mean? Yeah. So, it's a different thing, man. But, yeah, like. Obviously, you know, before you were at Gonzaga, you were at North Dakota as well. And I have, I have a friend who uh, who was there before he, he moved to Indy. And I know there's not a huge amount there. It's just one <laughs> no. of the things. <laughs> you might have seen the notes, bro. Like, I don't know if you've seen the Family Guy sketch, where it's like, it's not even the best Dakota, like. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, uh, uh, stuff, yeah. By the way, everyone's like, uh, uh, it. yeah. <laughs> it's what, like, me and Pat and the guy I'm talking about, like literally every time we see each other, we will just randomly referencing.
2: <laughs> <laughs> to, to, yeah, is, it's, just, it's rough. It's rough.
0: Was there, obviously, you know, moving from somewhere like that, though, to to then going to Gonzago and then the Czech Republic and now to Britain. Like, is there anything that we still kind of weird you out about or British cultures just, you know, throwing you a bit about <laughs> Apart from obviously driving on the wrong side of the road and all that kind of yeah. stuff? Yeah, <laughs>
2: yeah, no, that was crazy. Um, I remember when I got out of the uh, when I got to the airport and um, Pablo Vasquez, our, our assistant coach, was picking me up from the airport and um, I got my bags and stuff. And I'm walking to what I think is the passenger side of, of the truck, you know? And he's like, where are you going? I was like, what do you mean? I'm getting in the car. <laughs> and I, yeah, I look in the window and the steering wheel is over there. I'm like, oh wow. Yeah, that's, no, my bad. So that was crazy. I mean, other than that, like, yeah, at this point, like I've been around, there's not too much that, you know, even moves the needle for me anymore. I'll see something and just be like, oh, It's just how things are done or whatever. I don't yeah. need to understand it, but I've seen a stranger. You know,
0: I, don't ask questions. And
2: smart yeah, people. I'm just like, you know what? I'm I'm just I, I was in the Czech Republic. I seen guys drinking beers with breakfast. I was like, you know what? I'm that's all right. Nothing. nothing they had, like, strange six, to me anymore. six a day over there, right? Like, oh so man, ridiculous. It's, They just crush them, and everything's it's it's so cheap too. Like just because their economy or whatever, like, and the cost of living is super low. You know, you get basically a beer for maybe like half a pound. I was like, what? world <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah I'm, I'm, I'm almost it's like man why would i why would i pay a pound for some water <laughs> yeah, yeah yeah exactly that's what they
0: do in it they have it like at work like
2: all oh sorts it, of stuff yeah it's
0: like a different a different place but and then yeah there's a lot of, of stories about college ball and stuff as well that kind of go around just in terms of like what it is to experience but the closest i've got to it is is Watching He Got Game, uh, or, <laughs> or or like I went, to, I managed to visit Butler in Indiana. That was really cool. Yeah. Like, do you have any like funny stories from like your college days? Um, oh man. In terms of like that sort of stuff, because I know there's always there's always one. <laughs> there's always yeah. It doesn't
1: uh, have to be. It doesn't have to be PG either, Gino. You yeah. No, be. I'm trying to.
2: <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm trying to think of um. No, there's a bunch. I'm just trying to think of any Things I can, can say, say that podcast. aren't that aren't too, um, <laughs> you know, that don't don't cast too bad of a light on me. So one time we had uh <laughs> we had a a um we had a recruit on campus but we were trying to get to um to commit to our school, and they have like this big week right before your final exams. Um, so the whole week before your final exams, like obviously you're like studying like crazy um and people just get super stressed out because like the finals are a big part of your grade and so the weekend before finals i don't know how this makes any sense but the weekend before finals they would call it spring fest and basically like just everybody on campus just goes crazy gets hammered there's a ton of parties during the day at night the bars are full like I guess it's just to like release your stress or whatever before you go take your finals. But it's like, if you're just getting blackout drunk, don't you just forget everything you just studied? (laughs) But but I don't know, it's it's just a thing, I guess. It's, hey, they told me it's just what you do. So, you know, and and this, I think this is like my junior year. So this is like my third Spring Fest. And um, our team and some girls on campus, and I think maybe a couple of football players and a couple of hockey players were like, yeah, we're going to rent a party bus but we're gonna have the party bus pick us up at 10 a.m. so we can just drink like all morning, get off the party bus at like 2 p.m., go home and take a nap and then party for the rest of the night. So we had this recruit on campus and normally like when the recruits come, you'll just play like pickup basketball. So they just get to be around the team, play with the team, see how they like it. And our coach was like, yeah, we'll, uh, we'll do pickup at like 11.30. And so myself and then like a couple of the older guys on the team, we go to the assistants, because like in college, the assistants are who you have like a really good relationship with. The head coach is like the guy up top that he kind of sits in his office. The assistants report to him. Yeah. And so we're explaining to them. We're like, no, like if you guys want this guy to commit, he doesn't care about basketball. Every school has basketball. Like commits, you're you're you know, you're either a high school guy that's 18 years old, you know, or you're transferring from a different college. Like, you're not there to play. Obviously, you want basketball to be good. You wouldn't be there on the visit if you didn't think the basketball was good enough. You're there to experience the school. You know what I mean? So we're like, he doesn't care about basketball. He wants to party. Like, just trust us. Move. <laughs> so we get we get the pickup moved to, like, 8 a.m. So we start playing pickup at 8 a.m. And then, um, like, we shower and stuff in the arena. And the pra- party bus picks us up from the arena and, like, by ten o'clock, probably like ten thirty a.m., we're just like absolutely hammered, <laughs> and we're like in this bar, like the party bus. This is all I was at North Dakota. The party bus like drove us to this bar in the middle of nowhere, and um and like we're just absolutely hammered. Like people are buying us drinks, and he's just like, "Yeah, I'm coming here." <laughs> you know, he's just absolutely wasted. Probably doesn't even know what he's saying, but he's just like, "Yeah," it's like I'm committed. And this is where I want to be at. We're like, yeah. Yup. It
1: paper the pa- just
2: slightly like on the side. <laughs>
1: did, 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 the, did, the party, did the party bus have a destination Gino or were you just driving? So it Where just like,
2: it just drives like the party bus was just driving literally to this bar and they would do it like this was a thing they would like this was the party bus company like this was their only route because there's nowhere to go <laughs> in North Dakota.
0: <laughs>
2: yeah. So it would drive us like you would be on it it would drive around town for a little bit just to like waste time because you get the party bus you can get it for like two hours four hours So, like waste time just driving around town, maybe stop at a couple of the bars in town. This is like a college town, it's got a couple of bars. And then it would drive you like 30 minutes out into the middle of nowhere in North Dakota, where there's just this one bar by like, behind it's like a bunch of huge like grain silos or something. So you're just in the middle of nowhere. Like it's the craziest thing ever. And I've done it like (laughs) three times. And every time I'm still like, why is this like? How is this bar in business? No one comes here, like it's always empty. (laughs) <laughs> and like that's the destination and then you drink there for a little while and then you do the same thing in reverse. And it's like that's that's just what you do in North Dakota, I guess. There's literally nothing to do, so people just drink.
0: <laughs> so you don't recommend uh, we go, right? Like uh, I would oh, no, no, see it. Just absolutely like, not. <laughs> <laughs> just to come back and be like, Yeah, I've it yeah, no, it's <laughs> sort of
2: like you'll see it and 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 you'll be able to say see you've seen it. And everybody would be like, "Well, what'd you see?" And you'll be like, "Nothing. I, it's literally just a place with a name. There's nothing to see." Well,
1: was it? Was it? Was there any point where you were just like, "How have I done this three times?"
2: Like, oh, <laughs> absolutely. Every every single day that I was in North Dakota, I just like, man, I really live here. Like, this is my life. <laughs> this is oh, man. So wow. Pat, the um, guy I was talking really.
0: about, Pat, was like there for I think about the same sort of time, like about three or four years, and I was living in like. The bottom, Mark, no, it's like the bottom end of North Devon um, and uh yeah like they're two kind of similar places with mm-hmm. respect to North guys from North Devon and like, there's just nothing nothing yeah. there like it's just yes yeah, so we, we were just like comparing tales at that time of life and it's just
2: yeah. yeah it was it's it was like all farmland it's like there's nothing <laughs> <I> <laughs> but you, you've You've got some questions, right? Some quick fires. Yeah, right? yeah. So,
1: yeah. So we go to the quick fire now, Gino. And and again, man, thank you so much for your time. It's been a real pleasure to have you on. But um, so the Timberwolves, all-time starting five for you. Oh. What we okay. say?
2: All-time starting five. We'll go uh, Marbury at the point. Nice. Uh, Probably have to go Cassell to... Sprewell 3 Garnett okay. at the 4 Nice Ooh you know what Let's take Cassell out Sprewell at the 2 Garnett 3 Kevin Love 4 Cat 5 Oh nice I like that
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Like Positionless one. basketball Just for Yeah out. yeah
2: I like, I like I like Sam Cassell a lot I really love Sam Cassell But um Yeah It's it Can't leave Cat You can't leave Cat Kevin Love Or KG off all totally three cool. of them have to be on. So then you you can only go two guards, and I'd probably so, so go, it's pretty well in Marbury.
1: You weren't tempted to go for Michael Oliver Candy at the center position. I, <laughs>
2: never... You know when I when I was when the Wolves were good when I was watching the Wolves when I was younger and KG was doing his thing, he, it was Oloa Candy who I, who I grew up watching. So I, it was yeah. in my mind, but <laughs> he's definitely on the Timberwolves all name team. Yeah,
0: man, and I, uh, and going going <laughs> in addition to that, like, do you have a? Uh... Obviously, your position a favorite, a favorite point
2: guard ever. Ooh, favorite ever. Maybe you would have to go Steve Nash. I loved watching Nash when I was growing up. He's probably nice. my favorite to watch. Um, yeah, probably Nash or Jason Kidd or Kyrie Irving. He's completely different than those other two. But <laughs>
1: <laughs> and uh, who have you got for the NBA title this year?
2: Uh, if they can stay healthy or they can get back healthy, I got L.A.
1: over the Nets. Yeah, if so if the, if, yeah, so if the, the nets the are if the nets are healthy, Lakers are healthy. You're going Lakers.
2: Both teams healthy. I just think LeBron finds a way. Okay. I'm wrong about that a lot of the time. But
0: <laughs> <laughs> Wait, we've said we've said enough wrong things on this
2: podcast. It's it's hard it's <laughs> hard for me to go against LeBron James. No, you're no, right. You're
0: right. That's fair. That's fair. And I've, I've seen a few things on some of the things you've been doing for your company, and um, you know some some things online as well in terms of you know, courses, are we going to get a, a Gina Crandall handles slash behind the back <laughs> cart pass course at any point? I'd, I'd sign up.
2: <laughs> you know, it'd be tough because I have this thing, right, where I always tell people and they never believe me, but, like, I don't do any ball handling drills. Like, really? I'm so, ever since I was younger, like, I've been so against them. I'm just like, yeah, yeah like, I don't know. I, I just, yeah, so it'd be hard. I, I might have to, like, hire somebody else I'll just put my name on it but somebody else will teach it be like hey yeah. man I morally can't do this because I don't believe in them but
0: what do you do instead man sorry just interested like yeah I don't,
2: like ever since I was younger I just like I, I think I developed a good like handle on the ball just from dribbling like I never did any specific drills you know I'll just dribble as I was walking to school or dribble as I was walking to the park when I got to the park I'll just dribble you know if I wasn't on the court for pickup I'll just have a ball and just be dribbling yeah, and, you know, always just doing that. And um, yeah, I think through that, but like, as far as like, I know a lot of people like to like put cones out, do a certain amount of moves at this one. I hate it. Like I hate yeah. it. Anytime we're in like training and I see cones come out, like I instantly go from like, like I just <laughs> get upset. Like, why do I have to do this? I don't like it.
1: <laughs> no, I, fair, man. I, I, I was kind of the same, to be honest with you. I was never a massive fan of like, like really big structured sessions. I would just enjoy just going it, when i again i didn't play to any particularly high level but when i got to that next stage up it was just kind of like it kind of took the enjoyment out of it for me mm-hmm. if i'm honest and then yeah I just, yeah, yeah i, I just kind of fell out of love with it and I, the, the the biggest memories i have you're really growing up was just me and my dad my dad would just throw me the ball and i would just shoot dribble shoot yeah. dribble and and that was all i did
2: yeah no it, it, it definitely i think there and to your point like a lot of it you just have to enjoy it like you just if you're not having fun with it, if you're not loving it, if you're not enjoying it, like most things in life, I mean, you're, you're probably not going to have as much success if you were just, you know, having a good time. And I always had a good time just dribbling the ball, just kind of, again, like, it's I mean, I guess it kind of shows in like some of the stuff I do on the court is like, I'm all about like creativity and just, it's like problem solving, you know, having to maneuver around the court, it's just like, I, had, I need to get, I'm here, I need to get there. How do I do it? Not, oh, this guy's in front of me. He's like a cone. I'm gonna do three between the legs and a behind the back. Like that stuff doesn't work. It's yeah. nice. Like, I guess it works as a warm up. You know, you get your hands like ready to control the ball, but I've just personally never been a fan of it. And literally everybody thinks I'm crazy when I say it. They're I, like, what do you yeah. mean?
1: And finally, Gino, where can we get a Gino Crandale
2: t-shirt from your brand man? Tell us a little bit about it. Yeah, so I actually, um. okay, so this brand I kind of started it 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 kind of grew out of some of you know the lockdown stuff not having a lot to, to do um I've always kind of been into graphic design um I took a course in high school and just kind of instantly was like I like doing this um and you know not the greatest in the world but was decently good at it I thought I had pretty good ideas and I thought I could execute some of the ideas I had. And um so when I was first coming out of high school I tried to start a clothing brand and the NCAA for anybody that might not be listening that doesn't know a lot about the NCAA, absolutely hates when their players make money outside of the NCAA. So like that got shut down instantly. They're like, you're gonna lose your eligibility, all this, not be able to play college basketball. And I was like, well, I like designing stuff, but I love basketball. So that's an easy choice. (laughs) Not that much. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And then, uh, yeah, so since, um, being over here and you know outside of practice there's not a ton to do with everything being locked down um it, it kind of was like you know this is a time for me to focus on other passions or hobbies that i have and um uh, you know i just really wanted to get in designing t-shirts and mostly is what i started with um and, and so i started this um clothing company called the broken hearts club which i mean it, it, it kind of just came to me. there's some more nuance and, and, and backstory to the name but um like it was just something that that I just wanted to try and that I thought was cool and um ended up having a a decent amount of you know people that were interested in wanting to buy it which was like crazy to me because I just thought like oh maybe my friends will buy a couple and worst case I'll just get a bunch of shirts that I can wear you know (laughs) um but yeah I've had some people that were interested in it so in it so that was super cool um I actually broke my laptop like Two months ago and just got this one that i'm using right now a couple weeks ago so i kind of had put a pause on a bunch of stuff and now that we're kind of rolling into the playoffs i'm kind of holding off now that uh, i actually need to update it. my website because i just had somebody order something yesterday and i was completely not ready to make the shirt and sell it but now i have to because you know they sent the money but i need to update my website later today to take everything down until uh the season's over i'm hoping for late may to, to launch a um just another line of shirts uh, i think i want to do something kind of Minnesota inspired, um, I don't know, I just like, some everybody like in the States and especially like in the Midwest and definitely in Minnesota talks about like Minnesota summers, um, there's this thing like Minnesota, it's so cold all year. Mm-hmm. Um, and so the summers at the time, you know, everybody's out on the, on the lake on their boats, because Minnesota, you know, has a crazy amount of lakes and a bunch of beaches, this is always nice. Like literally you get like two months of like straight sunshine, oh, uh, wow. which is crazy because it's so cold the rest of the year um so i think i want to do something with that but yeah that's that's kind of long story short i got into that just as like a hobby or this would be maybe cool for me to do and then a few people like wanted things and you know hopefully if i stick with it slowly can can make something of it if not i don't know it's fun to do like it's not yeah it's, it's just one of those things like it's fun it's to do nice like if it doesn't work out cool whatever i don't care <laughs> it's been fun while it lasted yeah man no it's really cool
0: man and um... Yeah, we really, really appreciate you coming on um, with such a tight schedule and allowing us to move things around a couple of times and things as well. So, <laughs> you know, it's been really nice to speak to you, Juno. And um, but good luck against the Lions tomorrow and for the rest of the season and the playoffs as well.
2: Yeah, no problem. Thank you guys for having me. I had a ton of fun. A ton of fun.